Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I am Blake Fisher. I am joined by Chris Monier. Sup, sup. Kyle Simmons. Hey, hey. And uh, before we jump in, we want to mention that if you like this podcast, we think we're supposed to ask you to subscribe to it on yep. iTunes. It's in this podcast playbook I have here. Yeah, that, that, uh, we've heard them all say, all, every pod I've listened to, they say that. At least 70 times. Right, yeah. So we're saying it. Subscribe on iTunes, I think, is the specific place you're supposed to subscribe. Nowhere else. Um, Right. So, Chris, uh, why don't you explain, since this was your idea, uh, what your idea was for this podcast? Well, uh, you know, it it comes from kind of a dark place, actually. You know, I'm turning. It doesn't matter what what age I'm turning. (laughs) I think they're going to be able to figure (laughs) it out. Sorry, disregard that. No, no, don't do that math. Um, I um, I was thinking about how it was my twentieth high school reunion coming up this year. I graduated in the year two thousand. Um, and so I was like, now that's like about the time that I started listening to the music that I'm so fond of now. You know, um, about the time slowly. Uh, going the way of the Buffalo came out and Enemy of the State and all these great records that I listened to. I was like, man, all those records are turning 20. I bet all these bands are going to start doing 20 year tours. And, you know, what a great time to like bring up all these old memories for, for folks that are our age, you know, that are uh, in their mid to late 30s or even just 30s and, you know, grew up listening to this music. It'd be a good time to like go back and look at, you know, through the lens of our adult lives. Um, and then I called you guys and you were like, didn't have anything better to do. So yeah, here we, we are. all in. <laughs> okay, so I feel like we should define, since we're saying it's, I mean, the name of the podcast is Finding Emo, but are we going to define emo? Or are we narrowly scoping that? Kyle, what do you think? Um, I think no. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's fine. I, to me, Emo is is capturing like this time of music that we're talking about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it not I'm not saying all genres, but like pretty much all genres from that time period. Yeah, I mean for me I would say the the first weird thing is that almost no band self-identified as emo yeah. back in the early 2000s. It kind of nope. became this thing that got put on people. Yep. And they weren't like against it. They just weren't Normally they were like, oh, we're punk rock or we're a rock and roll band or we're indie or so. I mean, they weren't really using we're an emo band. I don't, do, I, I do you would have even, an example maybe? Well, so I would say I would call a band emo if their fans looked <laughs> so it was a, a certain more of a, way. <laughs> it was more of a look than it was. Yeah. That's fair. Lots of eyeliner. We did too. I mean, to be fair. Um. Yeah. So I mean, that was well, there. It did, studded it had, belts. It had an aesthetic too. Uh, yeah. Well, but the thing, uh, the, it did have an aesthetic. But it, it, like in the mid '90s, emo and punk were kind of like these two branches. Mm-hmm. And you know, bands like uh, uh, Jawbreaker, like it was more emotional. Right. Like singing. Uh, I I don't know. It 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 had its own style. Whereas punk was a little raunchier, a little tougher, a little faster. They kind of just blended. Totally. So, and then that's what it became. But everyone, I think, you know, true music fans thought of that old, really emotional music from the mid-90s, and they didn't want to be necessarily associated with that. I mean, I think it definitely has that punk influence, and I think most people would say it was like, oh, it's these people that all of a sudden started talking about their feelings. My argument would be that oh, right. musicians have been talking about their feelings for a very long time, yep. and if that's the case, country is the most emo Ugh. emo ever then, right? Because that's all they do. Um 
Well, not anymore. Now they just sing about beer and hanging out. But um, boats. Yeah. So I mean, I yeah, I think you're right. I think we just we're gonna take an album for each one of these episodes, and we're going to pro- we're probably all gonna like the album. Maybe at some point, if this goes long enough, we will dive into albums we didn't like and make fun of them or something. But I think there are plenty of albums that we really like and that were certainly influential on the genre and just music in general and bands. And so we're kind of kicking it off with maybe the album. Maybe we shouldn't, but we're going to. Uh, We're going to do Jimmy World Clarity because we feel like it was a catalyst for kind of a lot of the bands that came out in the early 2000s. Agreed? Yeah, I mean, if, if you feel differently, you're stupid. There it is. Uh, absolutely. And and, and no argument, no argument at all that this is definitely emo. That's fair. Right, Once again, right, right out of the gate, it's emo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're <laughs> Okay, so do let's not get, dispute that. Do not email us. Do not tweet us. So let's get into it. Uh and actually talk about the album then, unless you all have anything else to just, you know, add to the general emo conversation of the genre. I'm sure we'll talk about this more. I mean, th- this is going to be wrong, but like, I feel like everything that both of you guys were saying, like, to me, these bands that I think these albums that we're going to be talking about were a time where like the the lines were a little more blurred between the genres. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like um, you even s- track to track sometimes on a lot of these albums. Totally, but I mean, like, you saw more like. There was a lot of melodic punk that came out around this time. There's punk that was influenced by hardcore. Like for me, a lot of these bands that we've talked about in this emo uh, realm were like gateway bands to other genres. You know what I mean? That is a very good point, actually. Yep, absolutely. It was kind of, yeah, that's a really, really good point. Because before that, I mean, if we're, I mean, it, Obviously, we've read about this. We were around. We were in our adolescence at this time. It does seem like before that, we were way more genre pigeonholed. It oh, was yeah. grunge mm-hmm, rock, mm-hmm. and you had yep. like hair stuff, like hair metal yep. before that, and you had kind of, I don't know, that more alt-country thing that was happening with maybe like, you know, the the only band I can think of that really did a good job of this, and maybe we should consider them an emo band, would be like Smashing Pumpkins were kind of the first band I can think of that really, like, genre kind of went all over the place. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's a really good point. I like that. So, um, okay, so let's talk about Clarity. Um, so some facts about Jimmy World Clarity. Um, facts. Just the facts. So, I mean, you know, it was released in uh, February 23rd, 1999. So uh, we are all obviously, I think, in high school at this point when this yeah. album comes out. Uh, it was their third studio album and their second with Capitol Records. And uh, famously, they then got dropped about a year after the album came out. Um, I learned a little bit about the recording of it. They recorded the drums at Sound City Studio, which I did not know, but it's oh, a no famed way. studio uh, out in California where that famous like Robert Neve board, they recorded like Nirvana and Ario Speedwagon and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and... I think Weezer's Pinkerton was recorded there. I mean, tons of albums. Anyway, it's great. Dave Grohl now has that board in his garage. Not like our garages. Like, you know, he's got like a legit <laughs> studio in his, his garage. His studio garage. <laughs> Not like this studio that we're doing this in right now. Um, there there are no cars in this garage. No, no, no. I'm sure it's like a $3 million uh, acoustic paneling kind of thing. Um, 
So yeah, if by the way, there's a documentary, by the way, about Sound City called Sound City that you guys should watch if you have not. Uh, it is fantastic. Talks about all that kind of stuff. It does not mention Jimmy World in the documentary, so I'm a little disappointed about that. Not a surprise, though. Um, not shocked. Not shocked. Um, so it probably would have been shelved, except that I guess, I don't know exactly how it happened, but Lucky Denver Mint ended up on the Never Been Kissed soundtrack, that Drew Barrymore movie. And it started getting great spins. flick. Yeah, I've never. <laughs> I ha, have I seen that movie? Is that where she's like Top. goes back to high school? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I have that, seen that movie. That that plot would never stand today. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that but we ended about... up, guys, didn't we? We were all there. <laughs> uh, so anything went in the nineties. Lucky Dimmerman ends up on that uh, soundtrack, and they have like a video for it. The traditional like, hey, we're playing for part of it, and there's like intercut with slices of the movie in it. And then I guess K-Rock started playing it a little bit, so it got some traction. And honestly, I guess their A&R guy was like, it probably never would have uh, been released. The whole album probably never would have been, just would have been shelved. So we may have never heard this album if it hadn't been for Drew Barrymore. So we really owe a lot. That terrible movie, we owe we a lot we to. Owe, in, in general, we owe a lot to Drew Barrymore. In general. And tr- truly, I've not seen the movie since probably 1999, so maybe it wasn't terrible, but it would be fun to look up its Rotten Tomatoes rating. Dude. I'm not kidding. I like the movie. Okay. I've not seen it since 1999, so maybe we'll watch that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as I mentioned, Capital drops them a year after this. It was not a commercial successful album for Jimmy Eat World initially at all, um, but it did gain enough traction with the fans that it basically became the touring thing that funded Bleed American, which obviously was a gigantic album for them. Um so those are just kind of like some facts of the album. Nothing really crazy. We'll go track by track in a second. But let's talk about kind of first impressions. Like, Kyle, when did you first hear this album? Do you remember? Definitely. So and that that's what I was wondering. I, I'm asking you a question in turn. I'll answer your question, but I'm wondering like... You better. I feel, I feel like everybody that loves Jimmy Eat world, like found out about him a different way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and it was a different song, like hearing that lucky Denver Mint was a single is crazy to me because I had no clue. That was and a- I've yeah. seen never been kissed. I'm a fan, yeah. but, um, like Jimmy Eat world, I found them on Napster. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> and but like someone had to have told you about it. Right? Someone First did like, okay. I don't know if you guys remember this. I'm assuming you do because you were into the same bands, but like, bands were talking about Jimmy Eat World. And All I specifically time. remember like bands that I were was into talking about Jimmy Eat World. And I'm going to be a dork, but like Tom DeLonge, when he got married, had Jimmy Eat World play at his wedding. Yep, correct. And it yep. was like, whoa. Like if the dude from Blink has a band play at his wedding, I should check them out. Um and I don't, I don't know that that's like I that. That timeline's the song accurate. And now I can't remember, but I mean, no, that would be right. I think. And and it's just like they were a band's band. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And everybody, yeah. every band that I looked up to listened to Jimmy Eat World, and and I may be getting ahead of myself, but I actually had the EP that came out before Clarity, right. and it is it's very rare. Like I'm trying to find it because I could sell it on eBay for a lot of money. There is a self titled EP. That came before, or excuse me, after Static Prevails, yes, and before Clarity. It had 
It had oh, different gosh. versions of some of these songs. It did. It had, I think, a weird, a different version of New Aesthetic. Yep. And it had... And that one yeah. will mess... Because it, 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 it's a totally different song. It's with such a trip. Yeah. yeah, totally. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And like, so even now when I hear um, New Aesthetic, it's like, wait, oh, yeah. I think think it may even be a demo version. It's not really. We'll talk about that when we go track by track. Okay, sorry. But but yes, no, no, that was, that existed. But I did not have it that early, but. So for me, I was like, when I put this record on, I was in track number one. That was it. I was hooked. Uh, Chris, what about you? Do you remember? Uh, see, I went backwards, it? man. I went backwards. So did I. I, I yeah, I. Well, uh, sort of. But go my ahead. My buddy, my buddy Tyler put a mixtape together for me that had um, um, sweetness on it, but it wasn't sweetness from Bleed American. It was before Bleed American came out. Right. It, it was the one with the CD skip noise at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, which you is remember that. It's which the is on the Jebediah split, right? Uh, Jebediah no, is that no, right? That one. No, that's it, uh, that no split's awesome, but. Yeah, that's no sensitivity and um, splash turn twist. Isn't that also on there? Uh, no, but I think cautioners is. Oh, that's right. That, well, yeah, they were putting those bleed American songs on everything before it came out. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, uh, so I, I, that 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 was my first, um, you know, Jimmy World experience. Then, um, I, you know, when I was on tour with this band uh, from Denver. Um, Bleed American came out, which I bought right away because I love that song, Sweetness, that right. Tyler had given me. It's a and pretty good of one. Course, yeah, of course, we're on the road, and I'm like, like jamming this record, and um, Chris, the guitar player, was like, well, have you ever heard Clarity? I was like, oh, what? I mean, I had no idea. And he puts it in, and I mean, Table for Glasses comes on, and I'm just like, this is a completely different thing, and yep. I freaking love it. I mean, it was I, I listened to that record probably 10 times in a row after that. Yeah, so mine was caught. It was you, Kyle. So I mean, I think I'd heard the name <laughs> nice. Jimmy Eat World because the same thing. It's like it was kind of a band's band. So I'd heard the name, but as I'm sure no one's going to listen to this podcast that doesn't remember that like we didn't have Spotify right. or iTunes no. Music or anything. We had Napster, maybe word of mouth, always sucked, and word of mouth. And so you like to find something, you had to find the CD or something. So did you read Alternative Press? I did not at the time. So Disney Adventures. I don't know if I had any <laughs> of these magazines that you... Uh, I think I had uh, maybe a subscription to... No, I don't think I had anything. Okay, so you, Kyle, at church camp, played me... I'm pretty sure you played me For Me This Is Heaven first. I don't even think I got track one. Yep. But you had... It was the week Bleed American came out. So mm-hmm. I heard Bleed American and Clarity like literally at the exact same time. And same thing. It was like you heard one thing. And I was like, okay, I'm all in. And so I went and bought both their records that week that... Bleed American came out. So I actually got this record in 2001, I guess. So I was behind. But a lot of people were. I mean... No, absolutely. Yeah. You were ahead of the curve, Kyle, but the rest of us were late to the game. But Um, that was the the way music was, though. I mean, you could just slip onto something and and get into it because it was on the right CD or you Napster searched the right thing, you know? Dude, comps, compilations back then? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I was trying to explain to this this younger mm-hmm. Yahoo uh, earlier this week, like what a compilation was. And it's like, 
that's how I found everything. You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. They'd be in the back of magazines sometimes. Totally. Uh, so it, obviously, the first impressions made us all go buy it immediately or love it. But do you remember anything specifically about like what was different or what attracted you to it in any sort of general sense or specific sense, I guess? I, I mean, for, for me, it was... So I was really into, I guess, what you would call more aggressive music. You know, like punk rock and you know faster stuff, Blink-182, MXPX. Yeah. So... I was kind of amazed at myself <laughs> for like bringing it back to table for glasses. Like the song starts out so melodic and quiet. And I, I was like, wow, I really like this. Why do I like this? This is like not the kind of music I listen to at all. It was, but it was so beautiful and so perfect. And then, you know, when they come in at the end with that big oh, yeah. roaring chorus, mm. uh, I mean, it's like you, you like, like you would get, that's the, goosebumps. I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, that's I was like, the part. And that was just the first song, man. <laughs> and what's funny so, is that I'm probably a, I'm probably a little opposite of you, Chris, in the sense that I am a little more. Uh, I'm less punk rock than both you both of you guys, but that's not true. Every well, I just meant like in general, you guys were fans of punk rock stuff before I was. Probably, I'll accept that. But like, you're yeah. one of the most punk rock guitarists I've ever witnessed. That might be fair. I became punk rock, but I maybe wasn't. In whatever year, I mean, 2001 when I discovered it. But I think what the difference was, everything that was chill was like acoustic for me. So it's like, I loved, I love Billy Joel and Wallflowers and a bunch of bands, but like no one, I don't think there's an acoustic guitar on this record. I listened to it again yesterday. It, with a lot of clean tones, but yeah, yeah. You're, you're probably But right. you know, it's like a chill, there's parts of it that are super chill and dynamic, but it's still all electrics and it's still, you know, cool drums and stuff like that. So that was a different, I hadn't heard anything that was like that. And yeah. that I can remember at the time. Also like I am just a sucker for halftime and like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, when, when, when they, when the chorus is big at the end and they're singing over one another, it's just like, mm. yeah, so good. Um, well, I mean, I think we should just go track by track then and talk about them. If that works for you guys. Yeah. yeah. Is that cool? Let's all right. Do it. Well, let's talk table about for glasses. You already kind of started it, Chris, but let's talk about that. Table for Glasses. It's, uh, I think Jimmy World's superpower is opening tracks. Yep. Oh, Is that fair? Yeah. yeah. This is a huge when you go back and like obviously I went all the way backwards. So I bleed American clarity at the same time, and then I buy everything I can get my hands on. So static prevails. It is I think pretty ballsy to go from static prevails to table for glasses. Yep. With like no uh no guarantee it was gonna work. I mean, they I feel right. like you know they were 
really throwing something at a wall. And I think it really did. I did. I mean, that album identifies them. I think now, I mean, I think that that's kind of the genesis of the Jimmy world that lived from that point on. And most definitely, but it's a, it's a big left turn from static prevails. Right. Well, it, uh, they're, they basically changed lead singers, right? I mean, this is, this is yeah, when Tom Jim did Atkins about steps half, up. Yeah. On static prevails, I think. If right. Not more. And, and, Oh, okay. So it was about half and half. I think so it was this half is definitely half. like Jim's taking over the yep. duties on this record because Tom only sings on um, one song, uh, "Blister." Right? Well, yeah. yeah, and he sings the. That's his only lead one. I think he sings other vocals on other songs. Like he's the other vocal on. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, but the on, lead, yeah, uh, new aesthetic. I think, but it was the right move. I think so too. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to look at it now, though. Like it's so so easy for us to say that, but you imagine being in that band and being like, Hey Jimmy, what if you hey, say, I, oh, I could try it. I mean, well, and I've heard them. He's explain, doing pretty good. I've heard them explain <laughs> that just Jim started writing more songs. I mean, oh, just, really? Yeah. I mean, and he just kind of, once he started writing more lyrics, he was kind of like, I just couldn't picture anyone else singing them, which oh, I makes sense. Yeah. Cause to be fair, how many, how many two vocal bands do you like both people's songs equally? Blink Way Two would be about the only one for me, and I and I, I still even thinking of that many bands. I still don't like them equally. Maybe not equally, but at least yeah, you'd yeah. Be like it's not like. Do you remember how Goo Goo Dolls had that bass player that had a few songs <laughs> on every track? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! I'm sorry, his songs were awful. They're terrible, and you just go like, I uh, can't do it. You know, it's like you brought up the most hilarious example. I'm just of saying the singer dichotomy. It, the other guy's wrong? writing name and the other, you know, and this I, like amazing s- song. And the other guy's like, I don't know. You it's said so that bad. you said that. And I picture, I pictured Gimli playing the bass from Lord of the Rings. Did he look like Gimli? <laughs> <He> did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He just like, had that visual. Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. So anyway, that's a good example of, I do think, yeah, Jim Atkins obviously became quite the front man, I think. So, uh yeah, I mean I just think it was a it's a great first track and it totally sets up the whole record well. That's what they do so well. It's not just that they're good first tracks, it's that they're it like sets the tone for the entire rest of the record. I agree. Any other thoughts about table for glasses specifically? Vocals at the no, end. No, that, that amazing. That, yep. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well uh, it, it, they Jim talks specifically about this song here. He says, if you aren't doing a lot, it doesn't take a lot to get a big dynamic impact. Very and true. And he talks about the cello on that. Uh, and, and I can hear it like when I'm talking about it. It's a very subtle part. But once again, like they were more or less this like punk band. Yeah. Not punk band. Rock, but they rock were, band. But they were absolutely they influenced come, by a lot of punk and rock. But and what, what, what does every what does every rock and roll band, what does every punk band do when they want to put a chill on the record? They stick it on the last track. Yeah. They do, they, everybody does or this. Or the you know, ballad like, or whatever. Yeah, exactly, it's like, right? Yeah. These guys were like, no, F you, dude. We're doing it right now. Number one, three minutes in. I think the other, um, by the way, we'll put this, I think you can do, we can do show notes, right? That's a thing you can do if you have a podcast. Ooh, yeah. yeah, we're learning. Uh, in the I show don't know notes. what show notes are. I think mean? it's just when you say something important, you yeah, call so, it a show note. So on Clarity's 10th year anniversary, they had a thing on their website where they went track by track and talked about just some fun fact or the recording of it or something like that. Oh, and cool, he cool. does talk about that. Uh, so anyway, it's very cool. I'll reference it a lot on this kind of track by track thing, but it's worth a read. Uh, so we'll put a link to that. It's, uh, it's very good. You had to use the old Google Wayback machine though. Um, it's not actually on the <laughs> current site. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, and I guess that, that other, that last part, uh, 
that comes in on the vocals was like literally a last minute ad that they, he just like, Oh, you were talking about Bjork earlier. Uh, the story is that they had tickets to go see Bjork. He loves Bjork. And then they were like hammering out that song. And like that vocal part, that last part came in his head and they recorded it instead. And so he missed the concert and no way. still hasn't seen Bjork live. Dude. Oh, uh, did you mention worth it? Right. Absolutely. Did you mention who produced this record? Oh, we have not talked about that yet. We Be- should talk about that. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I just realized that. Trombino. Dude. Yeah, Mark Trombino. So yeah, we what should probably talk about that a little bit. So uh, this is pretty early into Trombino producing stuff. Yeah. He did Static Prevails too, I think. I'm pretty sure he did all three of those he, first He ones. did Bleed American. Yeah, I think he did Static yeah. Prevails. We'll fact check ourselves on that. But uh, he definitely did this one. And yeah, it's fantastic. He did do Static Prevails. He did. Okay. Yeah. Um, thanks for the live fact check. That's appreciate I, it. That was pretty quick. That was quick. Uh, yeah. So it, he was kind of their go-to guy, and he became uh, powerhouse, one of the staples <laughs> of this genre for yeah. sure. Oh well, yeah, and he. It sounds like he uh, he was kind of growing up with them. They kind of yes. They were they were running up to the two thousands hand in hand. Yeah, I would to, say to get stupid rich after Bleed American. Yeah, I mean, honestly. I mean, we can probably have an entire episode just about the producers and, of and this we genre. Maybe we should. will, uh, but Trombino and is maybe definitely. Maybe we will. Trombino is definitely one of them, and it, I think you can hear uh, that he had much more of an influence on this album than he did on Static Prevails. Totally, and then mm. even more maybe on Bleed American. Yeah. As far as like, I think that he made Jim a way better vocalist. As far as like, hey Jim, enunciate, you know, some things like that. I yep. think that you can just tell that had to be what was going on. Although maybe Futures was more of the one that really nailed that, which is Gil Norton, another fantastic producer. We'll talk about that at a different time. Um, yeah, but I mean, this song, I mean, that song opening track is perfectly produced. I love, love, love the drum sounds. It's still one of my favorite drum sounds, uh, f- this whole album, just because it sounds like you're in that room with them. I mean, it sounds yeah. like a great room. So kudos to Zach for playing drums well. Uh, your uh, Lucky Denver Mint, track two. With Lucky I and I, I love um I love how poppy it feels after the intro track. Like yeah, is, is, yeah. is I mean is that an yeah, acceptable no, well, it's you know, like, like but it but it totally works. It's right. so cool. <laughs> it's the perfect ramp up second song. You it's, should never yeah. you should never like not leave any room to go somewhere yep. after your first track. Uh in uh, I guess Jim's quote was that Lucky Denver Mint was one of the first songs we came up with that sounded distinctly like quote us. It was a rock song, but not a typical kind of rock song for 1998. The contrast of the swing and the rhythm and the straightness of the guitars that's found in this track was something we've always been attracted to. Um, And it's also the first time they ever tried recording two different parts on the drum set, which they kind of do a ton after that, I feel like. Um, I feel like that's a pretty good quote as far as, I think it does kind of define like, oh, this is... Static Prevails, I think, could have been a lot of different bands around that time. And then I feel like Lucky Denver Mint does feel distinctly like, okay, that's a Jimmy World song. And it's something 
they've kind of repeated yep. throughout their career. Yep. I also think it's vocally very Jimmy Eat World. Yeah. I mean, like that sound. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. It's a good one. Solid. I love all the drums on it too. It's a cool double trap thing, which I have ripped off so many times, by the way, in recordings is uh, the two drum set thing. Uh, well, and I have to say, like, there's a fill about coming out of the bridge, I think, uh, where, you know, they do the scratches on the guitars. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, every, like, I, that's what I, I call that the Jimmy World fill. Like, and I've, <laughs> I'm not the only one that does that. We're like, just that straight, was, straight 16th right. on uh, the do, snare. Da, 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 right. da, 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 da. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, but, but the guitars, you know, do the scratches with it. I mean, that, that, uh, that, it's like the perfect Jimmy World sound. And, and I think they brought it back in another song. And I was like, oh, you guys, that's like a callback. I feel like the other I, thing. I love, love that, Phil. I think this other thing that defines Jimmy World to me in, uh, is that all the parts are pretty simple. Like, you could probably learn to play any of the parts if you're a decent musician. Like, you could play all the yep. drums. Chris, Chris is a drummer, for those that don't know. Kyle could play all the bass parts. He's a bass player. I'm a guitar player. I could probably play all the guitar parts. But they're they're really great. And they're simple, and this oh, is a yeah. great example of everything's simple enough, but it's not. But it somehow comes together to be its own little thing, and it's not just like a four chord pop song or rock song. You're, yep, you're absolutely right. It, it, it and we we could sit down with our instruments right now and try to play one of these songs. There's no way we'd be able to pull it off. No, 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 no. We we're technically saying, playing yeah. it correctly. I'm not saying we can be Jimmy World. We're not. Oh no, enough. no. But I'm you saying, know what I mean. No, but but no. That was the point I was yes. talking about. Was that like any competent musician? There's something very special about what, how those guys play together that that makes it unique. Like even though the parts are simple, it's the way they. Yeah. Just the way that dudes that have been playing together since it's like the, it's their chemistry. Play. Chemistry. Chemistry yeah. matters. Uh, so your new aesthetic, this is the, they really take us in the more static prevails direction on this one. It's more of a straight rock, uh, song. This is the one that messes with me. I have no specific thoughts. Yeah, so I think the story is they had the song, the sort of bones of this song, instrumentally. super chill, too. Well, okay, so they had that song called, I don't know if it was actually called Your New Aesthetic at the time, but either way, it had those lyrics, but totally different melody, super chill. It was on that EP that came out before Clarity. Which we believe is self-titled, right? I think think it is. Okay. And then uh, I guess they had the instrumentation for this, but the vocals weren't working on top of it. They didn't like it. So I guess he tried the lyrics for New Aesthetic. I assume out of the sense of like, hey, we need something to go on this. I'm going to try this. But the melody is obviously completely different. It's not just like a sped up version of that other version of New Aesthetic. So, and it worked. And uh, this ended up being this song. So... Rest in peace, the old version of New Aesthetic. R.I.P. The new version of New Aesthetic. And like, if you can get your, do you have that EP? Uh, I think I've got it. Yeah, because if you can get your hands on it, it's it's really cool because that EP is a perfect bridge from Static Prevails to Clarity. Like it, it's it's 
it walks you right into it, man. I'm gonna try to find it and play it. One second. I don't. Is it? Is it on? No, but I've got it in oh. iTunes. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I probably downloaded from Napster. Well, I'm in my freaking pot. Either way, I, I have the, like the melody of the original is is more catchy to me, but I prefer I prefer the version on Clarity. If that makes sense, it does make sense. I get it, mm-hmm. but it is. Mm-hmm. It also, like I said, dynamically, this is one of the first albums I have that have this big of a dynamic. Yep. I mean, for new aesthetic and table for glasses to kind of be in the same, yeah, two songs apart from each other, essentially, uh, is kind of crazy. That's weird when you. It's so weird when you say it. Like, and I was just like, it doesn't feel weird on the album a little bit. But no, not at all. But it's a heavy song, man. It's really heavy. Like the the big old drums and like the muted guitars. He's kind of angry uh, when he's singing. Oh, he's yeah, it's super oh, angsty. Yeah. Take back the radio. Like he's pissed, <laughs> man. Yes, I've got it. It was uh by the way, your new aesthetic demo is what it was called, although yeah. I don't know that it was really it's not, it's demo, not at all the same song. Softer and Roller Queen. Those were I think the three songs. Oh Lucky Denver Mint's not that. on it? Oh no, it is. Yeah. You're right. Lucky Denver Mint's on it too. I think. I see, I know I had the CP see, at one time. All this I don't know if totally it made it wrong. to my because this was probably downloaded from Napster or something at <laughs> right. the time. So it could be right. totally wrong information. No, I think that I I think I remember Lucky Denverment being on there as well. Like I bought I bought the album. D- okay, this is going to like not just date date us, but it's gonna be a very specific place. I went to Blockbuster Music. Oh yeah. And on the Expressway? On oh, Expressway. Yeah. And Mar- on Expressway. Where where else would you go? <laughs> and and Mark Wheeler. Do you guys know yeah. Mark? Yeah. Of course. Mark was like, dude, I think he he was the best. Like once he knew what you were into, that dude was like, dude, check this record out. Yep. And I have a handful of people still in my life that are so good at that still. Mark was like, hey dude, you're going to dig this. Check it out. And it was that EP and I was like, you're right. I do dig this. <laughs> but then Clarity came out and I was like <laughs> I mean, I was young, so I was like what are they doing? This is not the same song, but <laughs> they're singing the same words. You can't do this <laughs> because you might be the only person I know that had heard it in order, heard it in order. And so I, it's interesting. It's a trip to that because I wonder, like I didn't get to experience that like evolution of anything. Cause I just got it all at the same time, essentially in 2001. So. It's it's like children. You love them equally, but you're, but you love your first the most, right? Like you, <laughs> Like you love them equally, but secretly you love the first one the Hopefully most. Hopefully, Kyle's kids don't listen to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Maverick, if you're will. up. <clears throat> well, yeah. I mean, he's feeling good if he's up. That's true. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, believe in what you want. Uh, track four. start playing these albums constantly in my room as a whatever sophomore in high school uh 
this is one I specifically remember being like one that I was initially really attracted to and just like wanted to play over and over again. And I don't know exactly why it was, but I just, I feel like it was a uh, same thing going from everything I liked was either rock where like we had big heavy amps, you know, it was all, um, I mean, I can't even think of examples right now, but it was all, you know, heavy distortion or it was acoustic. It was kind of like right. no in between there. Right. And this just feels like a nice, like Vox AC 30, kind of like clean driven guitar and it just didn't have to be I just like that you can always hear the room that the drums are in. It's like there's plenty yep, of space. Totally. Yeah. Nothing's crowding each other out. Everything has its own little spot and it just it was different than anything I had really listened to and I don't know how much of that is Trombino. I don't know how much of that is Jimmy World. I would love to know like I would love to have been a fly on the wall knowing like was he going like turn your gain down guys, it'll sound better. Um which is something someone could have told us back in the day. <laughs> Any, yeah, please. <laughs> we could have used Tell that every direction. Band that. Yeah, every band should have taken some of these cues. Uh, you all have any thoughts about uh, believe in what you want? Uh, well, I just I love the chorus on this song, just like so many songs on this record. Uh, so melodic, and and once again, like I'm I'm going back to my 18 year old self listening to this record, and I'm like, this is so pretty. Why do I like it? Like I I like yeah. angry music. <laughs> You know, I, I want to like rise against the system and they're just singing melodically in my ear and I'm so happy. I, the, the, and this, it's cool because like the, the song before this has the opposite dynamic where you've got those like super tough, right? Um, that, you know, and this one is more like happy go lucky. And then it goes to that halftime in the chorus, very melodic, lots of like layers and layers of, uh, of vocals. Um, and they pull it off pretty well live too. Like on when they did their clarity tour. Yeah. I'm always shocked. Dude, they're so good live. Yeah, I agree. Amen. They're fantastic. Uh, and then, once again, we get chill on a Sunday. There's, I don't know. I have anything specific to say about this. It's just a very pretty song. You're right, Chris. It's a uh, they make well, pretty it, music. Yeah, well, it comes in with that. Uh, what would you call it? A Glockenspiel? Yeah, or bells or something. <laughs> I don't know. And that's apparently another thing that's uh, in those kind of notes on Clarity is that they basically the, the second studio they went to, it was basically just like Zach and Mark just pick like you know picking every instrument they could get their hands on and putting it on these different songs. So it's kind of a fun. Not- you know, when you got a room full of instruments, try them. And uh, let's be honest, they're on Capitol Records. They've got enough money. They can go home on a Sunday and just spend all night thinking about, like, what would be a weird way to start this song and spend, you know, a whole day? I'm always interested. Like, you know, I know this was a – Capitol is a major label. They have a budget for this. I can tell by reading about the making of the album. It's not like they had a million dollars to make this album or something. Uh, they were comfortable. But, you know, so I know they had – they were definitely more comfortable than they were the album before. And you can tell that sonically. And then I, but yeah, this, that's a great example of like getting to actually spend a little extra time to get stuff right. Get extra instrumental, extra instrumentation. Can't talk. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's good. Good song. 
Do you, Kyle, how do you feel about a Sunday? I, I love it. But do you think that that extra stuff came from like, because they were just dropped by Universal, right? No, I think Static Prevails and Clarity are both on Capital. They are both on They're Capital. They're both on Capital. And then they were dropped after Clarity? Yes. Like, Correct. I think within the year that it came out. I mean, they, basically, they tried to push the record as a teen pop record, and then it basically almost never crazy. Got, basically, <laughs> it almost work. never got, it almost never got released. And then when they get released, they obviously just didn't. I mean, that happened all the time back then. I'm sure it still does now. But they're like, if Drew Barrymore can't sell this record, then who can? <laughs> so nobody can. I mean, we're well, we Hollywood put our best people on this, and you guys still aren't selling. <laughs> so sorry, but you gotta go, Jimmy World. And by by the way, something else that we'll talk about more in a second that I think is just because I've never done it. But like, I mean, this whole thing is recorded to tape. I mean, which oh yeah, have, oh, and, I, have I, any of us ever recorded to tape? No. Have you, Kyle? Maybe, maybe, but but not. It was not good. <laughs> no, it was not. It was That's not the same way good. With me, man. But anyway, I remember that... trying to punch in on tape. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> so you gotta punch <laughs> in. Yeah, I mean, so that's the other thing that makes this. Uh, I went home crying. Have some character. I feel like that other uh, that like this was right around the time that that ended. I you mean, mentioned the drums too, like. I, I could be totally wrong. I'm I'm the least technical of all three of us, but like I feel like you always feel the room on their drums. Oh yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Like, well, that's part of like one of the things that Sound City was most famous for was that room, which is funny when you if you watch that documentary because the room does not look like a fancy drum room, but there was and like is, everyone, is it huge? Cause it sounds it is big, huge. It is big, but like nothing about it is the way someone would design a good drum yeah. room. It was kind of this, like it's kind of this crappy looking studio. Honestly, it had all huh. this old furniture and it was just kind of, it looks like a crap hole essentially, but it, everyone loved the drum sounds in it. I mean, and it has some of the most famous kind of drum sounds, uh, so it, whatever there was, there was a mojo in that place for sure. And I feel like you can absolutely hear it on all the drums on this record. Dude, you, I, you just hear the whole room, yeah. you know, like in, in yeah, big cool. drums, uh, crush. say one thing about this is oh is this sunday well no it's both because this is this is something that i think is very special about this album is how these songs work together and the way the way sunday ends with the glockenspiel fading out and then just that big crash yeah i can't remember the first lyrics off top of my head but i know like they're just something about snow faintest snow keep falling falling yeah but man they just take you on a ride and and that when that when that first crash comes in and then we got those like back to those like angsty guitars and um god i I just can't wait i I, i'm kind of ready for this podcast to be over so i can go listen to this i do wonder wonder (laughs) order for this album because the order feels pretty perfect too but i don't know if they had the order in mind i'm sure they didn't no one has the order in mind when they're doing uh, See, I, 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 in my head, I feel it feels so established. Like, how could you, 
how could it be that perfect if it wasn't planned? Maybe I'm just not as cool as it those guys, and so feel, I don't know. Yeah, that transition specifically, you're right, does feel pretty much perfect. So uh, who knows? They could have recorded them back to back on the same tape. Um, I don't know. We can, does anyone know any of the guys in Jimmy World? Can we ask them? <laughs> all of, <laughs> all them? all Insta message. Okay, them. we'll see if they write right. back. Hey, dudes. <laughs> uh, yeah, good song. Good Once again, it's a more rocky one. Like you could literally, you could split these this whole album up into like a rocky half and a not rocky half. They didn't do that. They intertwined all these songs together, which I think is the better way to do it. But absolutely. Like I said, once again, it was a, it was more dynamic than almost any album I'd really like listened to before. Also, this is really stupid, but, or maybe stupid, but I feel like they're one of the first bands that kind of mastered like repeating themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like... Taking apart and, and doing it over and over Yeah, again. it's like, you know what? I like this. Like, it it didn't seem simple or repetitive. It was awesome. You know? because yeah, that whole chorus is essentially... It's one line. Yep. Over and over again. The lyrics for most of these, when you actually look at the liner sheet, are like, they take up an inch of space yeah. on the vinyl. I mean, it's like, it takes up... Yeah. Some of these songs have, like, no lyrics. And once again, I go, you know, as you know, another thing that probably everyone listening, we all are songwriters on this. We've all been in bands and stuff like that. I can't do that. I'm terrible at like wanting to fill it with all this word vomit. And (laughs) Jim Atkins is obviously much better, but there are two lines in this song and that's it. And it works well, which is a good transition to 122395 because it's one of those songs that has very few lyrics and super cool loopy stuff. I didn't know what to I mean, yeah, that's, again, he's like repeating himself, but it's awesome. Yeah, so the story, by the way, because uh, I was always interested on what actually happened here. So there's Can obviously... Can I take a guess? Can I take a guess? Yeah, yeah, go Can for I it. Take a, take a guess. Okay, Chris. and I honestly don't know the answer to this, but yeah. this feels like Trumb- Trombino's baby to me. Wrong. Oh, okay. <sighs> Sorry. All so right. uh, they had done a demo of it on, you know, some little boss you know doctor rhythm or whatever those things where you can record kind of a drum machine that you Uh can record other stuff on and they kept trying to do cooler stuff in the studio (laughs) than the demo and they just never could figure anything out i always thought the same thing too though that it was more of a trombino thing because he's all about the programming stuff he does all that cool programming stuff for them and other people um okay so now i'm thinking back to listening to it it is pretty but i thought it was like cool that it was like all edgy and demo sounding, but it's because it's just a demo. <laughs> no, so all, so all of the, yeah, all of the demo stuff, all the like rhythmy drum machine sound stuff was literally they recorded. It. And I guess the story is they they finally just recorded that to tape, and then like that night, like someone stole that and something else. So they like would have no. lost it forever if they hadn't gotten it down on tape. They like went out to oh, eat they and stole they got the, stolen. The, the like machine the, that they recorded yeah, like the on. Doctor Rhythm thing got stolen or whatever it was. 
So do, do you guys include this song on your Christmas playlist? Oh, absolutely. I asked someone yeah. to Christmas dance using a cut up version of this song Ooh. in high school. That's Damn. pretty big time, right? Your Christmas dance wasn't Sadie Hawkins style? Uh maybe it oh. was. It was, it was, but it, it was a loose rule. Yeah, well, that, you just went for it. I guess. I, well, I mean, it was my girlfriend yeah. at the time, so okay. maybe that's why I did. Yeah, that. Yeah, see, she and was I, I, she was gonna ask you. Yeah, or maybe it wasn't Christmas dance. It was something. I think it was Christmas dance. Pretty sure okay. I had to like cut it up in whatever cakewalk or something, <laughs> some application <laughs> on my on my Dell. Uh, and so okay, yeah. so I, 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 funny story. I only got asked to the Sadie Hawkins dance by one girl ever. I was so excited, and she didn't hang out with me the whole night. She like ended up hanging out with this other guy. Not cool. I was so mad. They are married. They have three kids. They've been together for like twenty five years. You, okay, you did that for them. them. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, you. So you're so you're welcome, Brett, Brad, and Tammy. <laughs> Brad and Tammy, you <laughs> br- you deserve one another, Brad and Tammy. <laughs> I hope they listen. Uh, I had the same thing happen to me, Chris. I got ditched. I, I was asked, and then like I got ditched at the dance. And it's like, no, I didn't make you ask me. You know? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, and that, those tuxes, those tuxes were not cheap, man. No. Yeah. That was like a hard earned week of work or something to rent a tux. Did go to the, the florist? That was always awkward. I don't know why I, I didn't know, just man. like. Do I do a vest or a cummerbund? <laughs> like. You have a song about Cumberbunds. I do. I mean, do you remember like? Do you remember always going to the tuck shop and like they'd always have those really cool vests that there's no way you could pull off, but there was always that secret part of you's like, could I pull that off, dude? Could I? Not could I do a white tux? Not just the vest. Could could I pull off the button instead of the bow tie? Ooh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you can't, sir. Chance. No, sir, you can't. Not a chance. I mean, I I wanted to, but I couldn't. Um. Okay. Sorry. Back to the song. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do love the baseline on this song. I love that it's all high it's in good that baseline. whole first part, and then it comes in on that second verse, and it's just like boom, 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 and just like straight eighth notes, super yeah. simple. But like, it basically doesn't hit any low end on the bass until like a minute and a half into the song or something. I just love it. It's fantastic. Good job, Rick, the bass player. Uh, Ten. This is the, uh, it's a it's a high bar on this album, but to, to me this is the most forgettable song. On the record. Uh, it's just I like it. I don't hate it. It's just kind of really. I don't know. Yeah. See, because I think ten doesn't do and it We will me. talk about this later when we talk about some specific like thoughts on the album as a whole. Favorite. But to tracks. me, this is the one that like grew on me the most, which we'll talk more about later when we actually talk about that. But um, first of all, another thing I didn't realize until reading this. Recording to tape, by the way, not digital. So looping that drum part, you literally, I did not know this. This is ridiculous as much as audio history as I have and learning about it. You had to loop the tape. You had to cut it and splice it. And then often that loop was not the exact length of the tape machine. So you would like run a mic stand outside the tape machine 
to loop the tape around. It was like apparently what? very bad for tape. Yeah. And so you'd have to like rig this thing up to make the loop be the right thing. So that whole opening drum loop is a loop that they did on tape. And then you record that with loop, the mic stand. And then they do a second set on top of it. So, I mean, it's like a lot more work. That's crazy. To do a loop like that in 1998 than it was, is now. I mean, I can make a loop right now with my pedal on my guitar board over there. I mean, I can tap it out right now. You got a loop station? No, it's just a timeline, but still. See, same now, idea. see now I feel bad. I, now I love the song. They yeah. worked so hard on it. I'm sorry, guys. That's okay. You don't have to like all the same songs, but I just... No, I was apologizing to Jimmy at World, not right. you, Blake. I can do it instantly now with... Uh, my delay pedal and it was just a lot of work. So I do appreciate that. I do really like the, um, I just drums are awesome. Once again, oh, yeah. on the song. So good song. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I'm glad we disagree on something though. That's fine. Yes. I think I'm it in the middle. We should fight more. Where are you, Kyle? I, I, I'm smack dab in the middle. Like, yeah. uh, I like the song just fine, but I can see where Chris is coming from. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I can see both sides. Yeah. I'm, I'm, no one wants to be my know, friend. I, I feel I, well, I'm not going to take sides. I don't know why I have to pick a song on every, I, especially on records I love. I have to pick a song I like the least because I need these guys to be human. We're yeah, going to have you know? a category totally. for that in a second. Yeah, we're yeah, was, pick yeah. That song. Yeah, that, 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 yeah. That's what I assumed. We would pick our least oh, yeah, favorite. Pick to. our favorite. Yeah, like we're going to do all that in a second. Uh, uh, I blew it. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's our first episode, yeah. so we were allowed to not have it all down. Uh, just watch the fireworks. Here, you can be anything. Anything that scares you I think that scares you Here I've been here before But only by myself Better than 10. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anything else? Just that? Um, I mean, dude, it's it's just an awesome record. All the, like, this is one of those records that you can put on, and it's awesome all the way through. Like, yeah. I, feel, I feel stupid for saying after each one, it's good. No, the, it's the, true. The drum parts are awesome. It sounds awesome. It's... It's awesome. So in my opinion, as much as Table for Glasses sets up the record really well, I I think 10 Just Watched the Fireworks and For Me This Is Heaven in a row oh. specifically define the album. Like, yeah. To me, those three songs in a row are really good. I don't know. I mean, I've been waiting. Yeah. No, we'll get, I've been we'll waiting. get to the... But, uh, so just to me, it's just a great... Um, Build up, yeah. It's a great build from song to song too, and it's, it's a not, bold move to to they're have similar a song titled 10 be the eighth track." Also, <laughs> that's where I do wonder. They're yeah. just they're just like they're what they're like. What do you call that? Like when you're uh, uh, it's like a misnomer. Is that what that is? Well, I was just gonna say when when you like lead the pack in something. What are you like a path? Not a pathfinder, pathmaker. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking not, about? Yeah, I do know what you're talking about. They're that. Yeah, okay. Man. So, yeah, and, and 
I have to say the other thing about this song is uh, the orchestration in it is really cool. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, it's it's perfect, and the end of the song because kind of what you're saying, Blake, how this song is kind of like a a build up to some of the best parts of this record. Yeah. The the end of this song like is like it's it's literally like building that tension with the orchestration and the mm-hmm. guitar, and it just kind of keeps going, and it kind of feels like it should stop, but you don't want it to stop, yeah. and then it goes into which again a Jimmy World staple is that drum fill. On the mm-hmm. end, Jamie part that da, 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 where it's just him for a second, you know, and then yep. back to the droning on whatever's going on, and it's like a seven and a half minute song, and it never doesn't ever feel long. This in my is opinion. Nope. to me, this is the hardest band to talk about without wanting to reference other records. You know what I mean? Oh, because yeah, because like what you're talking about, I'm like, oh yeah, when they do this on this record, everyone copies so much from this record, which we're gonna talk about in a second with its like lasting legacy, but. Yeah, well, you're talking is, about a long song. This the the record is is an hour and ten minutes long, an hour and eleven minutes long, right? right. Super well, long. It's a little less than that. Oh, I'm lo- the, the one I'm looking at has the demos. Yeah, on so it. it's like an hour and two. It's minutes. over an it's, hour. It's over an hour, which is not common. Yeah. Uh, no, most records, I, forty-five minutes is is about as high as you get, right? On like a punk most record. of the time. Well, I mean, yeah. dude, that's a yeah. yeah, and that's a long. I mean, punk it's a long. Record. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I just remember just wearing out these three songs. It would be like I would listen to the whole album, but I'd almost always go back after for me this is heaven and listen to ten, and just watch the fireworks and and that, like I kind of looped that a couple times before finishing out the record just because uh, I mean and just just. Just watch the fireworks to me is just is another one of those where I I remember initially just the strings being super attractive because I think everything I'd heard before that point was like all right Aerosmith it's the ballad and mm. it's the full David yeah. Campbell like orchestra yeah. kind of thing which I love too but this was like okay it's a couple people playing string parts and it I feel like everything else was orchestration this is like okay no we're gonna have a cello and a violin and a viola. Yeah. And they're going to have these really great, simple parts that, um, and yeah, it's just, it was different than anything I had heard that was like rock and roll ish. Cause I still consider Jimmy world just a rock and roll band. That's what I consider them. But, um, yeah, I just hadn't heard anything quite like that. And that's probably naive of me too. It's probably because I was, remember 1999 was not exactly the pinnacle of pop music. It, there was a lot of bad stuff floating around. We're in like boy band craze. There's a lot of pop music. Well, yeah, but I mean, it was not good pop right. music at the, in my opinion, at the time. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Any th- other thoughts on just watch the fireworks before we get to the song that we're probably going to talk about for forever? I mean, just watch <laughs> the fireworks is is a prophecy about what what's coming. That's a great way to because again, Chris, to go into for me, this is heaven. A great transition on the record as far as yeah. how just yeah. watch the fireworks kind of drones they, on they for that last fuse. minute and just kind of is instrumental and kind of jammy in in a not jam band way but you know just kind of a jammy song and then for me this is heaven i mean i i'm pretty sure kyle it was the first song you played me because i remember it specifically being the oh yeah the lyrics the, on it, the cd it was certainly the first song I oh okay so who wants to go first
Chris, do you want to go first? I, I don't know why this song is so important to me. I, I just feel like every girl that I dated or broke <laughs> up with, like perfect. I feel like it, it was always the song that I just like, <laughs> I can see myself like get the CD out, like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Again, if there's something that defines this record, it's that they went with the that Can You Feel the Butterflies oh. on the album, uh, yeah, on the CD. I mean, I feel like that's it didn't have their name. It didn't have clarity. It just had we, that lyric well, <laughs> and the time of the album. Well, and I was under the impression that this was the song. I don't know if this is right. It may not be right. It doesn't really matter. But I, I was under the impression this is the song they played at Tom's wedding. For such a long I, I time. Think it's not. Is is it not? It was. Right. I but, can. But, I gotta look it up now. But because it made, I know but, but, it. It was night drive. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about that a different time. It was it a wonderful matter, song though. called Night Drive. It, it doesn't matter because me thinking that like made this song. It yeah, it made it better. It's episode yeah. four that they, I know they played that at Tom's wedding. Listen, like either you're talking about girlfriends either we're making out consensually to this song <laughs> i like that you or, consensually now in or, 2020 i feel like say I, that now we're making out consensually or we are breaking up non-consensually like right. i'm either breaking up with you and then i'm listening to this and gonna like be sad or whatever or you're breaking up with me and i'm gonna listen to this or we're consensually making out uh, so the first time I saw Jimmy Eat World live was on Valentine's Day uh, in Tulsa with my girlfriend at the time. And yeah, this song is like, it's great. I mean, it's just like... Did it, you make out? No, because making out at a concert, that's weird. Yeah, right? that is weird. That is weird. You're that's right. That's a weird thing to do. But you, I've seen someone do it at every concert I've ever been to, but it's weird. I mean, this song is playing in your head when you're making out. But it's a just... <laughs> In my yeah maybe I mean it's been Privately. playing in the actual background sometimes yeah. not Jimmy World playing it though it's just it a is CD. it's a like I feel like everybody has a soundtrack to their life right like there's these songs that are playing in our head and this song is yeah it's a definitely a soundtrack yeah. of my life kind of thing a uh, couple interesting facts about it this is definitely one that they mentioned they kind of went nuts with all the gear uh, as far as like bells and it's a triangle right like <laughs> there's a triangle okay and, and, yeah and they say that they're pretty sure it's yeah, the only no. use of a triangle to date <laughs> that rocks it's so cool it's awesome it's perfect and that's where trombino i think really shines is going like okay this is a great song and i'm gonna just put the polish on it he doesn't the literal bells i and imagine whistles. he's not changing a ton or we would hear gigantic differences between trombino yeah. jimmy world albums and other ones but i think he is going like oh this just needs a little shine or whatever Side note, when I was looking at Trombino's Wikipedia, mm-hmm. um, it, he's credited for Futures. Do you know if he if he just did like a couple of he, the tracks? I think was in pre-production and then they okay, split ways okay. for whatever. Because they did it with Gil Norton then. So yeah. I bet that he got a credit because he did He got points probably. Or so, uh, probably or something okay. like that. And I don't know the story because then they worked with him again afterwards. So yep. I don't know. I know it wasn't, from what I know, because we knew... We knew people that knew them, and wasn't I don't think totally it was a, I don't think it was like a happy thing at the time. Uh, but but they, they I wonder I wonder if he listened well to for me this is heaven. How could you? I mean, after they after they broke up with him, that would suck. <laughs> that would suck if you knew song? if you knew because if, that's everybody's you, well, breakup knew, song. Like, this is just pure speculation, but I love it. Yeah, um, but if you knew if you knew Jimmy Adkins and then he was singing that to you. Geez. Man, that would that would that would be a heartbreaker, man. Let's 
let's just say, let's just go on record saying that that's what happened. They okay. broke up with Mark Trombino, and yep. he listened to "For Me This Is Heaven" and cried and cried. Uh, another interesting fact, by the way, Jimmy World does a ton of stuff in Drop D, which is weird because I think of Drop D and I think of like heavy rock yep. stuff because that's generally what like Creed used. Creed, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's where I learned about Drop D as a kid. Guilty, okay. On the I monitor. learned Creed songs, okay. But yeah, foot on the monitor always. Uh, but Jimmy Tremonti. World does it a lot with Drop D, but that's not like an alternate tuning. But this one specifically was like. Open E, which means like the whole thing's tuned open. So it's like a, they're experimenting with different tunings, which they do a bit more now. And to me, it just, yeah, it was also an introduction to that for me as a kid, like playing guitar was basically like Jimmy World and um, Dashboard Confessional were kind of the first people that I heard all these weird alternate tunings that I hadn't done before. Uh, anything else about For Me This Is Heaven, fellas? I mean, it's... It's just Ball a perfect ten. song. It's yeah. a perfect song. It is a perfect song. It, everything about it. There's nothing I've, that should ever be I've changed about it. I've never shared it with a single person that was like, nah, this yeah, isn't for me. That's true. I can't think of that ever happening to me. Um, blister. That's a good point. Yeah. Sorry, Let's try, you said okay. Blister, but that's if a good you point. Don't I, like, I dare you not to like this song. If you're listening right. to this podcast, which I assume <laughs> you will not listen to this podcast and not like this album since it's in the title, but... If you didn't like For Me This Is Heaven at some point, ever, even if you like it now, you can email us. But I don't. I wouldn't believe them. Well, we can We're going to set up a special email. Uh, so, I don't like For Me This Is Heaven like at Finding Emo. Emo. And, really and it's going to have an anything. automatic response. You're a liar. <laughs> You're a liar. <laughs> but you can't email us. It's info at findingemopod.com. You're or a... you can tweet us. I got a Twitter account, although we've not done anything on it yet. So You're a liar what or you're stupid. Choose one. Did... Did we get Finding Emo? Finding Emo Pod. Okay, that's yeah, good. That's, that's good enough. Acceptable. Right? Uh, so, Blister. Tom may have stopped singing as much on uh, Jimmy World Records, but he nailed this song, yeah. right? Boy, howdy, yeah. does he come out swinging. <laughs> Look, it's like he's batting a thousand. That's the upside. Yeah. Is that Jim at least is going to write a song every once in a while that maybe is not his best song. But Tom's like, nope, we're going to, I'm going to sing Blister and then not sing for four more albums. He waited, okay, is it just, he waited 10 whole tracks on this album to sing and then he me? nailed it. Or uh, there's some bands that have two singers and for the longest time, me not being a huge Jimmy World fan when I first heard this record, you didn't know I had it. No idea that didn't know didn't know it wasn't Jim. Here's the thing: I think that that is true. Um, I think some of that is because they sounded more alike on Static Prevails. Yep. And then Jim kind of became more Jim. Yep. And le- like, and I don't know if that comes from they were harmonizing with each other, and so you kind of naturally start blending. Like, have you ever? I don't know if you guys listen to a lot of you too. The edge can sound just like Bono. Like when he's singing, okay, right. it's not because I think he's been singing harmonies with him for so long. Right. that You just, you know, and I know at this point it's only five years that they've been a band, but I mean, I do think you can kind of start to sing like the other guy. So I, I think I, I think five I didn't years, know the, the same most thing. Formidable time of their life. I mean, they were yeah. 
friends from 16 to like 22 at this point. I mean, they might as well have been blood brothers. I mean, when you're that age. Right. But I do know. think you're right. I, I think I didn't at the time realize that it was um, one a different guy singing that song. And then, and the reason I think you're also, I mean, obviously I looked at all the liner notes and you see all that kind of stuff. But then in researching this, I looked and it says that he sang on New Aesthetic too. And I like had to really listen to it to be like, is he singing lead? I'm like, no, that's definitely Jim there. So it definitely is a, there's some blurred lines there. I think it's still at this point where they can kind of sound alike, but now I can pick it out on blister, but anyway, it's a great song. Yep. Like is, oh, yeah. I mean, is, um, that lyric maybe the best on the record? How long would it take me to walk across the United States? Absolutely. I mean, I love that whole chorus. It's so good. This song actually ends up. So my, my musical style these days with, Apple Music and all that is I basically make four playlists a year for each season and yeah. I just kind of throw on whatever I'm digging and this song shows up on I'd say every other one I mean I just always am so happy when I'm listening to the song um, this is also got, by the yeah. way in in the times where I play like solo acoustic things like bar kind of situation or something uh, like this is the only Jimmy World song I cover is Blister. Oh, that's awesome. It's like a great that's acoustic, awesome. like open tuning. It's a great song. I mean, it's like, Got the it great works. Line. I'm listening yeah. to all these nice things you guys are saying about the song. And I'm thinking like how incredible it is to have such an awesome song follow for me. This is heaven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it totally, it changes up the feeling. Cause I think you have to at that point. Cause after 10, just watch the fireworks. And <laughs> yeah. for me, this is heaven. You kind of have to do something different or else, I mean, like, I don't know how you, for me, this heaven could be the last track. I mean, totally. it's like, I mean, we'll get to the last track, right. but uh, yeah, Blister, great song. Tom nailed it. Good job. Uh, still way to, love way seeing to go, Tom. Tom. Still love seeing Tom sing that. I also love seeing him sing uh, 17 or Rockstar. We have gotten oh. this, Chris and I both gotten to see him play a couple of those songs. Whiskey we weren't, in LA. We weren't, yeah, we weren't huge into that song. And then that, that is a staple Jimmy World hit for me now after seeing it live. Yep. It's fantastic. Um, so then we get to title track. It's always fun to find the title track. Clarity. I mean, it, it's it's weird that this is the title track. It because it's it, it almost <laughs> if you were listening to the song from front to back, it doesn't feel like from the... front to back. Who cares at this point what the title track is? I mean, you've already been bl- yeah. your mind has been blown, and then you're just at the second to last song. They're like, oh, and by the way, this title track. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a title track to me. Nope. I agree. Yeah, but so why why why? Oh, who what, knows? Was the album named after the song? Song after the album? Any? I never any I never found that? anything that said. Why? I don't think the word clarity is in clarity, the song. Can you do a quick fact check on us? I'm going to check uh, right now. Kyle? What's really weird is that it's the only song that doesn't have the lyrics on Apple Music. Really? It's like they don't want us to know. They don't want us to know. I don't think it has the word clarity in it. The song's got a, a, a pretty swinging bass line, by the way. It does. That is a that is a good, good point. 
I feel like Rick, their basis is just a solid, like you don't, you know, he's not flashy at all. I don't feel like there's almost anything, but then the few times he's like, no, I'm going to do something cool on this one. He like, really... Oh yeah. Clarity's in it. It is. Yeah. Because the end, the, 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 uh, the, why are you my remedy? Um, why are you my clarity? Okay. Like, that's right. You know, okay. Again, the repeating, the repeating. I probably just yeah. didn't understand that he was saying that because Jim did not enunciate as much on the Clarity yeah. album as he has in the <laughs> album since. He didn't. That's just yeah, the our, truth. soft. Cri- if that, our soft if our love is tragedy, Jimmy. why are you my remedy? If our love's insanity, why are you my clarity? Okay. See, I don't yeah. think I ever knew that's actually what he was saying. Twenty good. years on, those are good words. Those are yeah. Um, yeah what? These guys should do this for a living. <laughs> they should. No wordsmiths. Well, they could be famous. Um, <laughs> That's invoking some emotion. Brings us to the last track, (laughs) Goodbye Sky Harbor, which uh, this is Trombino. remember the first time I heard this song. I'm in my van, I'm listening to the CD, and this, and I, I mean, I was like, these guys are freaking insanely brilliant. Like, I'd never heard anything like this. Well, yeah, it's especially so cool. because, like, I remember specifically playing the album and, like, maybe eight minutes in being like, wait a minute, this has been going on. And I remember then looking at the track uh, times or whatever and being like, oh, it's a 16 minute long song. And, and, and the, yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yes, is that like now you you youngins you out there, like it. you're playing you're playing on your iTunes. You can see it's a set, but but like you're you got a CD there hooked was, up to your tape deck in your car. You don't know how long this thing's going on. There was right. not a progress bar <laughs> right. in 1999 or early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't. How deep am I into this no, track? You have no yeah. idea. You're just in it. Yes. And I so first of all, their goal was just to use an entire reel of tape, which I think is. <laughs> The most punk rock thing on this record because tape that's, is not. That's true. That's a that's a fact. That's but, a fact. That okay. was their goal. The reason they wanted to make this thing sixteen minutes long is because they wanted to use a whole reel of tape. And wow. so again, there is a ton of technical stuff that I do not understand, even though I have a degree in audio engineering because <laughs> because I've never used tape before. So I've been I've grown up right. on all this digital stuff. Um, but there's like two drum sets again, and they are speed. They're starting out the tape fast on one of them and the, they're pitching down by slowing down the tape. And then there's another one where they start slow and speed it up. So I guess if you are really listening to the specific snares, one is starting high and slowly getting lower in pitch and the other one's starting low and getting higher in pitch. Our brain is hurting. And I don't totally Wait, understand I cannot, how they're... I cannot do that music math. How is that possible? <laughs> I, I, that's the part I don't understand. Maybe we can get Mark Trombino to answer... Uh, a question. I don't think I'd understand if he answered. I don't Blake. know. He'd have to actually like record a video and show us how it works. Anyway, could you dumb it down a shade, please? Mr. So there's Gambino? a lot of technical stuff that's going into this, but I do love that they were just like, we're going to use a whole reel of tape, and it was Trombino's idea to once the trippy um, stuff happens and they start doing the repeating of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like it was his idea. Basically, Jim just recorded all these parts. And kind of said, like, okay, here's some different parts and melodies and stuff like that. And then Trombino kind of cut them together to be like, 
and then everything lasts one bar longer than you think it's going to. So it like, you know, yep. normally something would be yep. like four bars yeah. and then the next part comes in and then four bars and the next part. It was like four bars and then one more bar and then the thing would come in. So it, everything is like that. Nothing is predictable about the song. I feel like at all. And it is a 16 minute song that ev- never bores me. I don't know if that's just me. That's not just you. It might be. I, I, I mean, I, I, Right now, I'm thinking about. It. I can't think of a time that I've ever gotten like 14 minutes in, and I was like, "Ah, yeah, I'm, I'm done." It's super <laughs> interesting. <laughs> two more minutes, yeah. And yeah, once again, two, I can... would be way easier to do now than it was when they were doing this on tape. So, if if nothing else, the technical feat of it was uh, fantastic. So um... that's my biggest takeaway from this whole conversation, and something that I did not know until today was that they had done this thing on tape. It gives me a whole new respect for them. Yeah. So the very first, I think, number one single on like pop radio or whatever was uh that was recorded all digitally was Ricky Martin's uh Living La Vida Loca. So that's nineteen ninety nine. So that's the first time that anything's been fully digitally recorded and was like a hit or whatever. Wow. So, you know, this is right on that edge of that became you know, so this is released Blake, in 90- Blake, I, that is a, an obscure factoid that, that is, you just pulled out. Well, and I, I mean, appreciate I, it. I do audio stuff, so I mean that you know makes a little bit of sense that I know that it's not because I'm a huge Ricky Martin fan. Was that um, a whole day in class? That song I, was this a moment one, in that class? That like when, when, did you? Is, it was the class called Ricky Martin and the Evolution was, yeah. of Recording? No, I think it was. Well, and like I know that like even I mean to bring it to like movies, the same thing happened around the same time with the digital editing. So like um, the last film to win an Academy Award that was all edited on analog film was Saving Private Ryan. So same kind of idea. It's like now everything's digitally edited. So it's like a totally different process. So I was not aware of that. Yes. Or I think maybe best picture not to win any Oscar, but I think the last best picture to win uh, that was shot and edited entirely on film. It was just, it was just the beginning of us millennials destroying everything. The boomers love. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But you know that, so, yeah, it's technically just more difficult. So, um, yeah, that's a great... By the way, Jimmy World's other superpower, if they have one, is ending albums on an oh, yeah. awesome note. They always do a really good job at that, I feel like. And this is certainly maybe the best example of that because, once again, it's just a really good... I know we keep saying that all these songs kind of define this album, but they, like, once again, this song kind of defines, like, hey, we're going to try some weird stuff where it's going to be something that defines us from now on. Um, Cause even their newest album has kind of a goodbye sky Harbor weirdness to oh, the yeah. last track. Kind oh, of. Yeah. And anyway, it's yep. uh, it's cool. So, all right, let's talk about kind of our, I don't know if we want to call them like awards or specific thoughts on stuff uh, about this specific album. So the first thing would be um, what is the, lasting influence of this album do we think it stands the test of time essentially i think we all already know this answer the way we've been talking but of course it does i mean uh how many bands that we all love probably would have never either came to be or came to be in the way they are you know uh, Chris Carob, a Dashboard Confessional, talks about how influential this record was on Further Seems Forever and his solo stuff. So many bands. I mean, I I would even make the argument that Blink-182's um, music was influenced by these guys in some ways, you know? Well, it clearly I mean, was. Really he had him play his album. I mean, he had him play his wedding. Yeah, yep. I mean, that's... 
Okay, so but you can also hear it in their music. You oh know? yeah. So I mean, yeah. so Kyle, going back to kind of your point about as a band's band. I mean, I don't know anyone that was in a band in the early 2000s that didn't cite this album as totally. a huge reason that they were either in a band or influencing their music. Um, I mean, I can't think of one. Again, Myself email us if you were in a yeah, band right. that didn't like this album. And uh, you will get the same response. The same resp- auto response. <laughs> You're a liar. You're a liar. You were not in a band. <laughs> Prove it. Um, and we, I can, you can just hear it on albums. I mean, like there's so many albums you can just like, okay, that is stolen's not the right thing, but just like um, heavily influenced, heavily influenced, lovingly uh, borrowed, whatever you want, because I mean, that's what music's all about. We all just steal from each other. That's fine. Um, We're all, all inspired. Over. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, I think this album stands the test of time. But I think it's because, like, there are just there are just records for me that I remember how it made me feel. Yeah, and like this, and like that's that's definitive emo, right? Like emotions. Like yeah. I I put this on, and I I still remember how I felt the first time I heard. For me, this is heaven. I still remember, like, the 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 over singing on table for glasses. Like I remember thinking, Holy crap, not over singing, but over. Yeah, yeah. The like overdub. The sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember thinking like, it. no, I'm just kidding. Like not over singing. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. The overlapping. Yeah. Overlapping. There we go. There you meant. The, the overlap, like it's just like, this is incredible. And it made me feel awesome. And like it, it just, it just feels right. And it felt special. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The first time I listened to it, it felt special, and I, for I guess for someone that doesn't like Jimmy Eat World, maybe that's going to sound stupid, but it's just one of those records that deserves to be listened to from the beginning to the end. You guys talk, both of you mentioned multiple times the transitions from song to song, and like there are just those records, like like Weezer's Weezer's Blue album, that like you're not going to listen to those tracks individually. You're going to remember how they transition into one another it's it's one yeah. track you know yeah, what i mean it's, exactly. it's a record yeah yeah which is another thing that's different now it's like a lot of people just listen to individual individual songs and right. playlists and stuff and less albums which kind of makes me sad there's still some people yeah. doing it really well but um okay chris what is the album's importance to jimmy eat world specifically well it depends on the time lens that you're looking through i right. think you know, they took some incredible chances on this record at a time where I would make the argument a musician should not be taking those chances. And They're, they technically uh, the, didn't pan out for them. No. Yeah, didn't. The well, that's what I'm term. saying. Yeah, in the short term, it didn't. And yeah. and, and, and when you're looking at it, uh, you know, because as someone, you know, all all three of us have played music and we're all wildly successful, uh, which is why uh, we, we, you know, <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. We, we we all blew it. Every one of us. No one um, knows who we are. <laughs> <laughs> we blew it. <laughs> But but I like to think back to I, I like to put myself in these guys' shoes. They make this record, this beautiful, amazing record. They had to have known sh- it was amazing. That they right? should <laughs> not. That, that right. But they also knew that like to be successful in 1999 when NSYNC was on the radio and the Backstreet yeah. Boys, that that was not the right record for that time to make to get them rich and famous. It wasn't. It wasn't right. Yeah. They took the chance anyway, which I think that like kind of rebellious spirit followed them through all different chapters of the career where they just always did what Jimmy World wanted to do. 
And so, I which think I would argue, yeah, it, Bleed American is, is that, kind of the same thing. It's absolutely, like, it's it it's, happens to be poppy, but it's it's not. It wasn't. I, I don't think it was made with that intention. No, I, I think it's almost because they're like, well, you don't think we can make a good right? Re- I mean, I almost think it's like a middle finger to capital kind well, of for it, you. And, but, go, go ahead, Chris. Oh, well, sorry, sorry. So just to wrap up, so Pinkerton's a similar story where, yeah. like, it wasn't the right record for that time. But only because of that record do they get the respect and the credibility that they have now. Because right. you look back and you said you made that record at that time because you knew because you just believed in what you're doing. And even though your label was like, "Well, f you, you're dropped." Yeah. It, now that decision looks like such a bad ass punk rock decision yeah, to make. Yeah. You know, although and it's an so cool. Interesting <laughs> comparison to Pinkerton because that's another one that a lot of people cite as sort of like godfather of email yeah. and stuff like that but it's interesting because i do think the critical reception of this was actually pretty good on clarity like yes. people yeah. really like music critics like this album like so there was something that was right about it whereas like pinkerton was one that like basically once everyone's had to write a we were wrong about our initial review of pinkerton because i mean that's all the magazines just destroyed it at the time which is yeah funny i mean proof that maybe they don't know everything um yeah i think you're right chris i mean i think it's I think it was clearly the first album where they really became, they had an identity. I think, first of all, that's a reason it's super important for them. And then, like I said, I think it's just like it influenced so many other bands that I think they became. Uh, but what's weird is that, like, they're a lot of band bands, sorry, a lot of bands' bands, you know, don't ever mm-hmm. become mm-hmm. huge and famous and like wildly successful. A lot of times, no, we it's all, like, yeah. We all have these bands that we love and we don't understand why they never got off the ground, but you know, we love them. We love their music and their music influenced us. But Jimmy Earl's this weird example of like clarity. There's still a lot of people that don't know that album exists because they heard the middle and they, they had bleed American and maybe futures and maybe that was it. And which is crazy because there's this band that sold, you know, 14 million or it wasn't 14 million. They, they sold like 2 million copies of bleed American and yeah. And yet, people don't know about this album before, but that album before is probably influential on all the other albums they bought around that time. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, no, it's, is uh, this absolutely. their best album? Mm. <sighs> no, not for me. Not for what is your favorite Jimmy world album? And this is obviously completely subjective. Okay. So in the same way that we talked about, the tracks on this album setting one another up. Yeah. I I I did not expect Futures to be what it was after Bleed American and I and like it was nothing that I expected and everything that I wanted it to be. And like we'll obviously do a Futures episode, but I do feel like Futures is a great combination of Clarity and Bleed American. It's huge too. melded together. Kind of as, you know, like, anyway, that's fine. I think that's fair. Chris, what about you? Is it, is it their best? Is it your favorite? I I mean, I got to go with my birthday buddy here. I I (laughs) feel the exact same way. Birthday Um, boys. Chris and and Kyle were born on the exact same day in 1982. And they rub it in my face all the time time. that (laughs) I was not born on that day. So I'm pretty sure that Mark Hoppus tweeted out you know that guy with the coffee mug that he, meme like blah 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 prove me wrong yeah yeah 
I think Mark Hoppus tweeted out futures is better than clarity. You know, prove me wrong. And I remember being like, oh, I, I, it was almost like a, like being in an anonymous group. I was like, oh, I, I didn't think I was the only one. Better <laughs> is guess... so hard for me because I can't find anything really wrong with either one of them. And they're so different. No, but other than I, Night I Drive, which you... I don't like, <laughs> which we'll talk about when <laughs> we actually do futures. We won't do it here. But futures, futures is great. Um, I, I mean, I you feel like Night it's Drive. unfair. You made a negative comment about it, and then you no. said we won't talk about it. No, it's hurtful. All I meant was that's the only thing I could possibly say negative about either one of these albums. For oh. me personally, that's it. Oh. That's all I could say. But and you know that that hurts me. I know, I know. And Chris, to be fair, you have a futures tattoo. So I do that. I uh, do, which everyone thinks is but a I got TARDIS. That after listening. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> or thanks to the yeah. new popularity of Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, no, well, it's gotten so bad now, man. Somebody's like, oh, is that? I was like, don't you dare say it. It is not what you think it is. Um, for <laughs> me, my honest opinion is that I really cannot pick a favorite for those four in a row, which is uh, Clarity, Bleed American, Futures, and Chase This Light. I really cannot. Dude, I Chase This a... Light is the unsung hero, I agree. in my and opinion. I think those four albums are perfect, and I think that uh, – that basically they couldn't have made four more distinct albums as far as like, there's nothing from either one of those albums that really fits on the others very well. I mean, you can barely say that with like, maybe believe in what you want with different production works on bleed American or maybe cautioners works on, but I mean, for the most part, it's like you could not just because we're so familiar with it, you could hear any right. one of those songs and figure out which album it goes on. And I, think that's a unique thing for a band to do is to keep changing but not oh, abandon absolutely. the things that they've done that have come before them so um yeah so i we, well we disagree so i mean i don't know or if we really disagree Dude, but chase this light is like so underappreciated I, I know that's not what we're talking about but you can get the vinyl for like 12 dollars on on amazon yeah like that's it's underappreciated not cool sure. well it, I, and i'll say this in defense of clarity being their best it is definitely their most ambitious as far as like, as you said, Chris, it was a huge risk, a risk that really didn't pay off immediately in the sense <laughs> right. that like, it was not like things, other things that were happening then really. I mean, there were some other bands doing it, but not commercially successful. So it definitely was not the like, the, it wasn't the smart quote unquote thing to do if you're trying to make it as a band. But like, I think that's why it's so... Uh, I would call it the most ambitious because then from that point you get to kind of define yourself how you want. Uh, they got to make the re next record by themselves. They didn't have a label telling them anything because they funded it themselves. They made Bleed American all by themselves, which drives me nuts when people say it's too poppy and they sold out. I'm like, they made it themselves. How is that right. selling yeah. out? They had to pay yeah. for the record. Uh, yeah, we they were. Weren't they working the night shift at UPS? Well, we should talk oh, about yeah, that when we'll, we do this yeah, record. But, uh, yeah. We'll definitely do a Bleed American one. Um, okay, you what about? Oh, were you going to say something? Yeah, else? well, I yeah. was just going to say you guys were both talking about pop music at the time and how yeah. it was it was a pretty wild time for pop music. It was weird. Yeah. But but what's crazy TRL to think about is is like popular rock music at the time. Like this was nothing like anything going on. No. You you had you had like your grunge, you had like Live and Silverchair and Bush and those bands right. and and then you had your your limp biscuits and corn. Yes, you know what I, I mean? Like it was I had forgotten uh, that rap rock existed until you just reminded it me. was, it was alive <laughs> and well. Never at that forget. Time. Yeah. And, and, and like, but again, that dynamic thing comes into what you're saying there, because all those were like 
grunge or they were rap right. rock or they were right. whatever. And again, this was something that was just, or different. they were smash mouth. Right. Gosh. Yeah. Smash mouth was 99. I see, wasn't it? I, I totally get where you're, where you're coming from. Uh, it, Cause like, yeah, that how, where would you put this in all that? I mean, it, it's just madness to think that anybody that liked Limp Biscuit would, would also be like, Oh, this is cool too. It, it transcends it that time, yeah. that it's, time period. It does. Absolutely. Thank it's God, like they had a time, time machine and went back in time and made that record. I mean, that's right. how, um, that makes more sense. That's probably what happened. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're going to say, um, what are your desert island songs? We're defining these as like if you could only pick two or three. So everyone knows the desert island kind of album kind of thing that we talk about or movies or whatever books. Uh, but we're just saying if you had to pick like three songs on this record that are your favorite. I mean, I'm I'm gonna go. I I feel like this is bold. Maybe not, but I'm gonna go. For me, this is heaven ultimate. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I'm I'm actually going tracks one and two. One, like it. just because uh, Table for Glasses, just because the emotional impact that that song has, and, and, like it, it was just the very first time I heard it, I was in. You know, like this, sign me up, I want to listen to this record. And then Lucky Denverment, it's that's just a completely sentimental answer for me. Like it was one of the first tracks I ever heard by Jimmy Eat World on that self-titled EP. Yeah. And so it's just, it's a feel good. I think I'm table for glasses. Just watch the fireworks. And for me, this is heaven. I think those are my three. If I had to pick them. Chris. I'm going uh, a little different direction than you guys. All table right. for glasses. Neither of you have mentioned <laughs> Whoa. that. Whoa. Uh, I know, right? The first track, it's the opener. Okay. Um, and no, but uh, I actually am going different than you guys at the end. I, then I'm going blister. Goodbye. Sky Harbor. Um, I can't put for me, this is heaven on this list for the reason me and Kyle talked about is like, it just, it just rubs me wrong for, for all the raw, for all the emotional reasons that brings Uh-oh. back memories of, uh, of yes. uh, spurned lovers and, you know, sadness. And mm. so I, I'm, I'm picturing, I'm trying to really get myself in the headspace of being on the Island, the desert Island. And I don't think I'd be want, want to be reminded of that. Um, plus if I do for me, this is heaven, I've got more time. I'm, I'm, you know, it's a mathematical decision. Okay, that makes sense. Longer track. <laughs> uh, what's the sleeper hit? Something that maybe didn't originally hit you as a favorite, but it grew on you. That's a tough question, Blake. Are we calling this sleeper hit or are we calling this grower, not a shower? <laughs> grower, not a shower. <laughs> okay, um, now I get it. Now okay. I get it. So it's it was it's your new aesthetic, but... Again, because I heard a different version. You know what right. I mean? Like I, I heard it the first time and I was like, No, this isn't this song. And it took it took time, but now I'm like, Yeah, that's cool. I think it's I think it's ten for me. I think that was one that maybe didn't originally hit me. To clarify track number eight. Yes. The <laughs> title ten, track number eight. Okay. Chris. Man, this is uh I, I, I just don't have a good answer for this one. Um that's fine. You don't have to. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I, I think I made made up my mind on these songs like the first time I heard the record. The only one that's a little weird for me is, for me, this is heaven again because a friend of mine had put that on a um, mixtape, and yeah. 
it did not fit with the mixtape. Oh, uh, yeah, that was a big 19- problem back then. If you put the wrong song, yeah, and so I it just it was the wrong time. This actually happened back then a lot with Napster too, where your friend would tell you about a band, and if you didn't find the right song to download first, you you know, oh yeah, you, you just may, write them off. You may exactly through yep. no fault of your own. So um, I yeah. think we're going to have trouble with this one. It's the Nobody's Perfect. Uh, what is the worst song on this album? I don't know if there is a worst song on this album, uh, but if you guys have one that's your least favorite, your opinion's not wrong. I mean, I, I, I already said what my least favorite was, right. but it's not. What, what? How did you characterize this? Like, it's not It's bad. like if you had to, yeah. If you, if you had, had to, to cut one. Yeah, if you had to cut one. Let's put it that way because that's more fun. If you had to cut a song off the album. I'm st- I'm sticking with new aesthetic. You would cut that? Yeah, I okay. mean, I, I'm just I was I have the original the demo version like stuck in more. my head. It's not that I like it more. It's just this it's it was just stuck. What, yeah, what was there? But what's weird? Okay, I it, might say new aesthetic too, just because I don't think the album would. I like that song, but I it is the angstiest. It's the angstiest, and it might not be missed. I can think of lots of reasons other ones would be. So that might be mine too, but I still really like that song. I wouldn't. Can I, I feel like I need to address that now in, in the time of iTunes and Spotify, the sweetness demo is included on this album. It is. It's on the vinyl. And, and so like, if we're including that, then these lists have all changed. No, I wouldn't include that. I'm we're, I'm if we're talking about the album in its uh, original form, I think that that is more fair. Okay, okay, yeah. Because bonus tracks always, first of all, I mean sweetness notwithstanding, <sighs> bonus tracks always yeah. suck on albums, guys. There, yeah. I've had like four albums ever where the bonus track was good. One of which is Jimmy World. It's their cover of um, "Take Them as They Come" from Chase This Light, and it's phenomenal. Oh my god. And um, it's be- it's, you can't it's find it anywhere. Yeah, it is better than I the agree. original. Um, any parting thoughts on Jimmy World Clarity, fellas? Uh, and th- do we know how long this record took to make? I, I think that'd be interesting to know. Uh, it didn't say exactly. I mean, I know they had a budget, but it's not like they just hold up in a studio for a year. So, I mean, I do you know what the budget was? I don't. I mean, okay. the, everything they talk about, they're like. We had a pretty decent budget, bigger than we'd ever had before, but it was still limiting enough that they like couldn't do the whole record at Sound City. So that to mm. me says you had some money, but not enough to rent that place on their day rate, which probably okay. was expensive because they recorded a ton of great records. Well, so. and you think about like uh, on those orchestration parts, like you know, yeah. bringing those players in. Yep. Um, that could be a whole day right there, just getting those cello and violin parts down. They did mention in that thing, once again, we'll put it in the show notes, that at one point one of the cello players was definitely like past their time, and she like played another take of it because she liked his idea or whatever, and so did it on the house, which is oh, really wow. nice. Those string players don't normally do that. I've so, never met one that was willing no, to No, they're play like, for... I'm not doing it again. <laughs> Well, I guess that's been the first uh, super long episode. They probably won't all be this long because we can't imagine that we're going to have more to say about an album than we do about this one, Uh, but maybe we will. So uh, thank you for uh, listening. If you made it this far, uh, again, you're supposed to uh, subscribe to us on iTunes Mm -hmm. and you can email us at info at finding emo pod, or you can tweet us at finding emo pod, or you can find where we live and knock on our door if you want to. But don't. Sounds good. We will uh, catch you next time when we'll talk about another album. Bye.